0: All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 this evening. And uh, I just want to focus on three or four thoughts out of one verse, verse number 10. But we're going to begin in verse number 1, 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. Paul writing says this, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven, If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. Therefore we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore, we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, But we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. Let's read verse 10 once more. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I'd ask that you'd bless your word this evening. God, that you'd touch on hearts. Speak to us in that which we need to be spoken to. Lord, I pray that before we leave this place, that we would have done serious business with You. And Lord, that inasmuch as You have uh, dealt with us and moved and worked inside of our hearts and minds and souls, Lord, that You'd receive glory from the outcome. Now, Father, we know if we yield to You, You'll receive glory. And Father, we know that if You don't receive glory, it's because we haven't yielded to You. So Father, help us now in these next few moments to yield to the working of Your Spirit, to the will of Your Word. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. As we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul is talking about the labor that they are undertaking. And it's part of a larger discourse, of course, of course, a different horse of a different color, of course, of course, but a uh, different discourse that he is uh, betaking. And he is talking about the affliction that we deal with the place where our treasures are, the place where we are investing our lives. And he speaks of a day in which we all will uh, face the judgment seat of Christ. Verse 10, I want you to notice it, and I'm going to give you three or four words, and then we'll be done. He says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. I've often heard people make statements like this. Well, I'll never have to stand in judgment again. I've heard people say things like, well, I was judged at Calvary, so thank the Lord I'll never be judged again. Well, if we're to be scripturally honest, we understand that for the believer, there is a threefold judgment. In fact, we were judged as a sinner at Calvary. Our sins were laid upon the Son of God. He bore our sins and became our sins for us. Never will we stand before an almighty God and be judged based upon our sins, whether we're going to go to heaven or whether we're going to go to hell. That was settled at Calvary. Right now, there is a judgment that takes place in all of our lives. Paul said it this way, that uh, we would not be judged if we judge ourselves. Right now, there is a judgment taking place in our life. And God is assessing us and dealing with us as sons. Uh, the Bible says this in uh, 1 John chapter 3, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. We're not waiting to become the sons of God. To as many as received Him, John said in chapter number 1, to them gave He power to become the sons of God. If you've been born again, you're not waiting to become a child of God. You are in this very moment a child of God. As such, God will deal with you as a child. You say, what do you mean by that, preacher? Well, every son whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. If you sin, if you do wrong, I had somebody ask me even this week uh, about uh, can, can a person uh, be saved and be a homosexual. Well, can I clear something up with this? Let's quit, let's quit letting the world define our, our language. Is that okay? No one, quote unquote, is a homosexual. They're not born that way. It's a choice that they make to partake in that lifestyle. You see, they, they are not a quote-unquote a-homosexual. They may live a homosexual lifestyle. You say, what are they, preacher? Well, they're sinners, the same as you and I were sinners before we got born again. I don't deny that there's some folks that might be a little more predisposed to be tempted by that lifestyle. Just as there are some folks for whom drink holds no sway, there are some folks for whom lust is not a big challenge. I'm sure there are some for varying reasons that a homosexual lifestyle appeals to them, and that's something that they struggle with. But it is just that, a struggle. And all they have to do is they yield to the Lord, as they follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, God will give them a way of escape from that temptation. The Bible promises that. But we, uh, we allow the world to define our language for us. And the thing that I told this person was this, that uh, uh, God always deals with His own children. And no Christian can live in sin. And that's what homosexuality is. is. It's a sin. And no saved person can live in sin and be happy and not be bothered by it. No saved person can live in sin and be happy and not be bothered by it. God will deal with His children. The day that you got born again, any chance you had of living the empty, broken uh, life of bondage that a sinner has and staying blind to your sin and sorrow was gone. Now God now you're a child of God. He loves you. He'll make it known to you when you sin and when you do wrong. Right now we're being dealt with as a son, as a child. There's coming a day, and this is what Paul's writing about, where one day we'll stand in judgment as a servant. You see, right now we are serving the King of kings and Lord of lords. And there'll come a day when all of these things that we've done... Now, you've got it in black and white on the page right in front of you. There's coming a day when we'll answer for all those things. I want us to think about a few words this evening, probably three, And I want you to consider yourself, and I'll do my best to consider myself this evening. Let me say that on this day, every one of us has an appointment. Paul says it this way, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, you say, well, preacher, I already know that. What's the big news about that to me? Well, I know that you understand the fact of it. If you've been around here any length of time, you understand the fact of that truth. You understand uh, that that is a doctrinal truth of the Word of God. But let me ask you something. Do you understand the reality of it? You see, we often have a head knowledge of this truth, but we rarely grasp a heart knowledge of it. There will, I want you to listen carefully to what this preacher is about to say, and I want you to open your mind. All we hear about is open minds, isn't it? Let me, let me encourage you to open your mind to the thought that I'm about to share with you. There will come a day, that day is not right now. There will come a day as literal and as real as right now, in which you will stand before the Son of God, have to give an account for the things that you've done. That's true of me as well. If you know Christ, and you say, well, preacher, what about a person that's not saved? They've got a lot worse judgment than we've got coming. They'll stand before the great white throne judgment and be cast into everlasting darkness. But you and I, if we've been saved, that's no threat to us. We're not worried about trying to keep from being cast into everlasting darkness because we've been born again. But we will one day stand before the King of kings. We'll stand before the Son of God, the pierced Savior that shed His blood for you and for me. One day you will stand before. Before it now, just drink that in, let that soak in for just a moment because it's a reality. I mean more sure, listen to me, more sure than your promise tomorrow, you're promised an appearance before the judgment seat of Christ. you may not live to see the sun rise tomorrow. I don't know, I hope you do, I think it's likely that you will, unless you know something i don't. But you have a more sure promise of the judgment seat of Christ, if you're born again, than you do of seeing the sun rise tomorrow. You will stand there. It will not be some ethereal experience. It will not be some sort of experience that is uh, veiled and shaded in mystery. It will be a literal moment in finite time in which you will stand before an almighty God. Have you ever? Do you consider that throughout your day? I think most of us probably don't. Most of us probably go through the day and we're thinking about the next few moments. As you look at Paul's writings, Paul, and I've shared this with you before, I've said it a hundred times, Paul spoke really only of two days in his life. And he would speak of today, the day in which he could live and move and serve and change things. And then he would speak of that day. And you'll see him reference it over and over and over and over again in his writings. That day when he would stand before Almighty God. Understand that those are the only two days a believer has. We have today, this day, in which you're going to make decisions. We and listen, I, I'll go ahead and tell you. I thought we had church this morning. I mean, I'm not. I, I didn't. I've not come in loaded for bear and taking names. I mean, I. I thought we had church this morning. We had folks in the altar, and we. I mean, we had good services. I, I've not got any axes that I'm grinding, but I want you to understand this this morning, those that were here, you heard a sermon this morning and it's going to be required of you how you responded to that. Tonight, those of you that are here tonight, there's a sermon being preached this evening to you in these moments right now, I'm not talking about some abstract time, a hundred years from. Now. right now we're faced with choices. And one day we're going to stand before the Lord and have to give an account of those choices. We see an appearance or an appointment that's told of, but we see an appearing that's coming. I'm interested in the way that Paul uses that word appearing. You'd be amazed in the literary richness of the Bible you hold in your hand if you'd stop and think about it for a moment. Because often you'll find words that have dual applications, and this is one of them. When we think of the term "appear," of course we think of appearing in court. Most of us do, especially in this context with words like judgment seat and giving an account and things of that sort. Every single one of we think of appearing as we would before a judge. But let me say this: that, that word also denotes the idea of manifestation. And there's coming a day, as we stand on that day before the Lord Jesus Christ, where everything that we've ever done will be laid open before our eyes and His. It's already laid open before His. But one day we'll have to stand and look over, almost like a person would at a morgue that looks over a dead body. We'll have to stand over it and give identity to it. We'll have to lay claim to the life that we've lived. Those things that we've hidden, those things that we thought no one knew about, or those things that, folks, was just too polite to point out. The Lord ain't going to be too polite to say something about it right? We kind of have this little exchange in Christianity and in churches. I don't know if it's any better or worse here than it is other places, but I think we got it like everybody does where we have this little agreement where you don't point out my sins and I won't point out your sins and then we'll both feel spiritual. But on that day, it won't go that way. On that day, everything we've done will be laid bare, will be laid open before Him. I've been praying, you know, people ask counsel of me all the time and things. People ask questions and uh, and more often than not, don't listen. <laughs> and uh, I've got a new way I'm going to begin to address things. When people ask me, uh, now there are certain things that you don't have to pray about, Scripture's clear on. Amen? But people often ask me about things that, that are not Scripture does not speak on, or at least not in particular it does. not Maybe there's uh, room for us to seek the face of God. Here's the question I want to pose before them. Here's what I want you to consider. And I don't even know where this fits in my notes, but I, I'm bound to say it how will you feel about that decision on the judgment seat of Christ? Whether it's a new job, whether it's a relationship, whether it's a commitment that you're making, whatever it is, how will you feel on the day when you stand before the Lord Jesus Christ about that decision? Because let me tell you something. We can convince folks around us that what we're doing is a good idea. And even if we can't convince them of that, most folks realize that everybody's going to make their own decisions and they want to maintain a level of politeness and relationship with you enough that they'll just keep quiet about it rather than bust up a relationship or a friendship. But let me tell you something. Very certainly, my friend, that day is coming. And so if I didn't love you, I wouldn't warn you. But I do love you, so I do warn you. How will you feel on that day? When you stand before the Lord Jesus Christ with whatever those decisions might be, and he asks you the motive, the intention, the outcome, the result, the spirit of that decision. How are you going to feel on that day? You preacher, you say that to fuss. I don't say it to fuss. I hope you'd feel good about those decisions. We ought to be making decisions we'd feel good about at the judgment seat of Christ. Let me tell you something. I, and Oh my, I shudder to say this. Let me use a different example. I don't want folks to think I'm fussing. But there, there's never been a day that I've got up went to the house of God that I'm afraid I'm going to regret that when I stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. There's ne- Listen, there's never been a day when I've chose the righteousness of God rather than the wrath of man that I think I'm going to regret that at the judgment seat of Christ. Now, there's been plenty of days I've not chose the righteousness of God above the wrath of man, and the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. So you have to make a choice between those things. I, I'm not going to say that I've always been my best or my most faithful at the house of God, but every one of those decisions that I've made that I've made in favor of Christ, I don't think I'm going to be ashamed of those at the judgment seat of Christ. You see, let me tell you something. We we tend to speak in platitudes that rob Scripture of its power. You know what I mean? Let, let me give you an example. Okay, we say things like, "Well, bless God, everything you know, everything is different." I bless God. I'm never going to have to be ashamed. I'm a child of it. That's true. There is a truth to that. But this is a very real day that Paul is speaking about, that you and I are going to stand before an almighty God about these things. You say, but preacher, we're not sinners, we're saints. True, but we're also sons and we're also servants. And on that day, we'll give an account. We, we talk about heaven, and I, man, I'm looking forward to heaven. I'm looking forward to it more than you. Amen, I know I am. But uh, we're looking forward to heaven. But you understand that between you and heaven lays the judgment seat of Christ. We say things like, oh, what a day that'll be when He returns. And I understand that. I think we ought to rejoice in it. But you know what Joel says about the day of the Lord? And I understand he's talking about uh, the day when Christ returns in power and in glory. And, and I understand there's a very, very distinct doctrinal and dispensational application to that phrase, day of the Lord, in the Old Testament. I mean, I can talk theology with you too. But he made this statement. He said, the day of the Lord is not is darkness. It's not light. The day of the Lord is darkness and not light. And he said this, Woe unto you, woe unto you that call unto the day of the Lord. In other words, there's going to be a lot of joy on that day, but there's going to be a lot of tears on that day. You ever wonder what the tears are from, that the Lord has to wipe away from our eyes? I'm just merely saying this. There's going to be an appearing. A lot of the politeness is going to just burn up by the match of the judgment fires of Christ. Paul spoke about it, and we don't have to read it, but you can in your time in 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. He said that day the work thereof is going to be tried by fire. God is going to strike a match to our actions, and we're going to see what stands, and we're going to see what smolders and what burns. I don't say that with any glee. I don't say that with any joy. I say that with a sober warning to you this evening that it don't matter what you can hide from me or from everybody else or from your spouse or from your family. doesn't matter what people will tolerate and will not tolerate. That day is very real. That day is very literal. And one day, that day will come. And you'll have to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. There's going to be an appearing, but there's going to be an accounting on that day. We've already preached all around it, so I won't dwell on it. But he says this, we're going to receive the things done in, in our body. According to that he hath done, whether it be good or or bad see there again let me give you an example of these platitudes we like to say things like this and i'm not being critical of scripture you know me better than that i'm not minimizing the truth of scripture you know me better than that but we like to say things like this we know that all things work together for good that's true isn't it romans eight twenty eight. and we know that all things work together for good to them that love god to them who are the called according we know that we understand that Let me tell you something. Just because God has a way of taking our mistakes and bringing grace and good out of it, that doesn't mean we won't have to answer for our choices. That's what I mean about these these vain, these empty platitudes. I'm talking about using Scripture and twisting it and making it cheap and robbing it of its power and its impact and its truth. I understand what Romans 8.28 says. I understand that God will make all things good. I understand we have a forgiving God, but I also understand there's a day of accounting and reckoning that's coming. And everything that we've done, it's going to be laid bare. And we're going to have to give an account of it. That's what Paul says. Give an account of it. You know what an account is, don't you? How many of you have ever worked in a job where you had to do inventory before? Oh my, that's always fun, isn't it? That's an accounting. You, you know what what inventory is? That's them saying this. we got X number of things on paper, but how many things do we have in reality? And, and there's a reckoning that takes place on the day of inventory. There's what you ought to have and what you really have. And on that day, it ain't going to be about what you ought to have. It's going to be about what you really have. I've shared this illustration time and again, but I'll share it with you once more. I've always envisioned, and this is is pure imagination, so don't take it as anything more than pure imagination, but I do believe there's a principle and a truth behind this that is very biblical. I've always imagined my life as a series of calendars. Uh, months after months made of days after days years after years decades even after decades when I stand before the lord jesus christ now, i imagine that as i as i stand before the lord and we review those things that i might point to certain weeks and days and times and say look at all that i've done for you lord i've always imagined this is imagination i'm telling you it is all right it may be sanctified imagination but it still is imagination amen that the Lord might take a marker and begin to mark through days and say, you know, that day, that day you was just doing it for yourself. And this day over here, you did it for me, but you tried to do it in the flesh. And I'm not interested in that. And this day here, you weren't worried about me, but you're doing it for everybody else that's around you. And this day here, you, you was doing it for the praise of men, and you've already gotten your reward for that day. And slowly by slowly, bit by bit, we see that which we've done for Christ whittled, Down and down and down. You say, preacher, that's foolishness. Well, I don't think it's foolishness. And here's why. Because there will come a day when the good and the bad of it's going to be told. And I believe that God looks on the thoughts and intents of the heart, don't you? The Bible says every idle word will be brought into account. Every idle word. You know what an idle word is? An idle word is an incidental word. That's one of them words that we might have said, Lord, I didn't mean to. The Lord say, yeah, but you did. You did, though. I I, I promise you, I didn't come to fuss. I came to worship and preach tonight. But I believe we need to hear these things. Because as much as I love to worship and shout and rejoice, this day is still coming. As much as I love to dwell on what He's done for me, this day is still coming. And it's not a day about what He's done for me. This will be a day about what I've done for Him. There's an accounting that's going to take place on that day. I'm done tonight. That's all the Lord has, I believe.